Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hi everybody, this is Yasser Rizwan here another episode of Better Tech. Today we have with us uh, Mr. Carl Metten. So Carl, why, why don't you just start with your introduction and uh, introducing your organization as well and what kind of what do you do? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Carl Matson. I'm the CISO for No Name Security. We're an API security company, and we focus on uh, the API, which is really the uh, the next generation of modern applications, and uh, and that's where we focus our security um, uh, technologies. And so, by, by background, um, I spent about a decade in financial services, another decade in uh, in the U.S. government, uh, and I've been with No Name about two years, and this is my my first opportunity to work as part of a technology company. So API security is interesting. So so typically when uh, the mod- modern architectures they are they, they heavily use APIs and uh, those APIs are typically REST APIs or SOAP APIs. And these days probably all of those are REST APIs typically. So so how how do you uh, so I remember working on uh, on security and there used to be some SAML kind of SAML thing and then there were other uh, uh, hardware kind of security where you can put a box and then you you pass your API calls through that and that box can scan the security. So what kind of security or API security do you uh, handle? Yeah, so you know, the first thing, API is a broad term because REST and REST APIs are sort of the dominant part of uh, the API landscape. Um, but they're also uh, like gRPC is now a, a protocol that's that's becoming more and more useful for developers. So what we, what we see with... Um, uh, with APIs and, and securing APIs, that the the you know previous historical use of APIs oftentimes was either as a, a utility, you know, service to service communications, or there was a couple of APIs that were public facing, and we would run those through API gateways, web application firewalls, and those can be very effective controls. Um, but when uh, developers now have in their hands the ability to use APIs uh, for like a broad number of purposes, from low code, no code app development to um, you know, uh, pub- continuously publishing and changing APIs on the fly. What we find is is that the the control points that we rely on for APIs historically uh, kind of fail at scale, and they fail oftentimes um, not because of of like poor developer design, but maybe for example, we don't have the right network controls protecting the API. So what we do as a as a company is we we look at the API ecosystem as a fabric across all gateways, all network zones, uh, all development environments and code repos so that we can look and evaluate first, where are our APIs? Are they healthy? What's their posture? Uh, And then the information that we derive, that analysis, then goes to uh, make better use of the gateway. So APIs, for example, that should be brokered by a gateway or should be sitting behind a web. We need to have that lane of that, that level of visibility across the board in order for us then to use the technologies like a gateway exactly how they're designed to do. And they work fantastically well uh, when they're used and configured as designed. Right. So, so what kind of architectural impacts this strategy would have like on performance, on cost and on maintainability? How do you address that? Sure. So there's a, there's a couple of considerations architecturally. So the, the first is, is API traffic can be voluminous. Uh, and so it becomes unreasonable to analyze traffic if you have to offload it to a remote destination, uh, a, a multi-tenant SaaS somewhere else. That can be an enormous amount of cost. So what we've 
first focus on is is where do we uh, where do we analyze API traffic and we 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 analyze it locally. We want to we want to have the engine of discovery and of analysis to be located uh, as close to you know in the server rack right next to your server. That's where we want to have that API analyzed. We don't want to offload traffic multi cloud trafficking costs can be exorbitant. So we want to analyze it locally. The second thing is um, we don't want to sit in line. So because we 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 want to we want to have an organization make use of its gateways and its WAFs and its network choke points as designed. So what we do is we sort of sit as a passive, either a passive network tap or a read-only traffic source so that we can read traffic and we can inform the network nodes and inform the gateway of, of uh, events or misconfigurations or vulnerabilities we find. Um, but we wanna take ourselves out of line uh, so that we don't cause uh, sort of unintended traffic impact. That's a really important feature because uh, most organizations of scale but have those network nodes in place. Um, and, and nobody wants to go through the pain of putting another platform in line to my customer traffic. And so we don't, we don't do that. Right. And what about uh, its impact on cost and uh, maintenance and how difficult is it to implement and uh, what kind of skill set does it require to have that kind of security? Well, for uh, for, for public cloud uh, environments, uh, the, the the impact is really minimal because we basically stand up a workload that in inside the customer's account. Uh, so you're, you're paying a very minor compute cost. When we're looking at API traffic, um, we're receiving a copy of that traffic for analysis purposes. We analyze the schema, analyze the payload, and then we drop the traffic so that we're not storing anything. And so that for so that in cloud account, uh, the, the the friction and, and cost overhead is minimal because you're only paying for um, a very minor amount of compute cost in your cloud account. For a like a legacy on-prem environment, it's just usually a a couple of containers that run on a Linux box. Uh, think of it as a hardened appliance um, that can run in a data center or run in a, in a securities or a network zone. Um, and that that sort of server, you know, eight, eight core Linux, Linux box is pretty standard uh, because we're not storing a lot of data. Um, we don't need a, um, uh, you know, like like a data lake on the back end where it requires a lot of construction and storage costs. So that's important for us to sort of minimize the cost and do the analysis locally, save the um, um, minimal amount of data possible uh, uh, around the API calls uh, so that the, the cost footprint is is as low as it can be. And my last question was around the around the complexity of it and what kind of skill set do you need to maintain this or implement this kind of security? Yeah, so the, uh, there's there's two there's really two software products that we have as a company. Uh, the first is uh, as I mentioned, it's it's um, um, the, the, our software running in an infrastructure. So that might be a cloud account or a or a or a legacy environment. Um, usually, the the installation or implementation would happen by a like a network operations team or a, or a security architecture engineering team who implements the technology. And then the applications and the application security teams usually are the end users because they're the ones who are looking for um, the insight. Uh, like the, the the results of the technology use is usually by an application professional. Um, now, the second software piece that we do have is a, is a testing engine, and that testing engine um, is is a you know, a, a lightweight testing engine that usually developers are sort of self-servicing because they can test API documentation um, at, during their development practice. Uh, and that's not really uh, an infrastructure build at all. That's just a, um, you know, follow the bouncy ball, install software and, and, and test APIs more of a more of an individual workbench, less so an enterprise technology. So this is this is kind of very specific domain like API security, but your experience is, is a lot bigger, a lot wider. So how do you think, uh, because the world is becoming more and more complex, uh, how do you see security catching up with everything else and how do you see the future? Well, I think the, um, 
you know, for me coming from a financial services background, the um, uh, the the origin story of a of, of a security professional caring about APIs a lot is is essentially five, six, seven years ago. Um, the theme emerged of of transitioning to real time payments, and that you know was a, a, the old school version of that was uh, every every day at midnight the mainframe would send out a batch transaction that was all the ACH deposits for the day, and and that's the the timeline expectation of banking was two three days for money movement. Um, the timeline expectation has changed dramatically. Now we expect you know. Zelle and Cash App and, and Venmo, we expect Apple Pay to be near real time. And those are all API-based money movement services. And so for me, um, my attention on APIs was driven by sort of business demand for consumer happiness. Consumers want more real-time payments movement. I think that you can take that concept and you can extrapolate it now to every industry vertical. So an example would be healthcare. In a, in a healthcare environment, uh, do, do patients and consumers uh, expect more from their app, their mobile app? Do they expect more services and more information, real-time availability of billing and accounts receivable and things like that? Manufacturing. Do manufacturing firms have a have a higher expectation for real-time inventory monitoring, real-time accounts receivable, accounts payable, um, tracking vehicles in a road? So I think in every industry vertical, um, the theme is that modernizing and transforming our applications to meet higher expectations for availability of systems and data to be near real time um, only accelerates the API as the kind of asset that is sort of destined to keep growing in its, in its use. I mean, I think the, um, um, like the, the, the cynical question is, is like, if we all have our, our, our iPhones, do, do any of us think that a consumer will want their iPhone to do less uh, five years from now? No. We we will we will expect our our mobile apps and our phones to do that much more um, for us for payments for uh, um, um, healthcare for entertainment um, and consumer expectations for a better experience are not going away. Um, threat actors take notice. There's a, there's a whole threat side of this, and don't get me wrong. Um, but the, I think it, it it starts with business and consumer demand for just better transformative technology. And uh, with that much of experience with the industry, where do you see uh, the security awareness awareness is going, and how can we improve it? Because with uh, new AI technologies like uh, generative technologies, yep, there's a lot more chance that these technologies can even leak your confidential data, or, or they can breach your information security. So what do you what do you see uh, is the future of uh, information security in the presence of these new fancy technologies? Qualitatively, um, this feels a lot like if I say we're at the beginning of a of an AI transformation of technology, um, it feels to me a lot like we were at eight years ago as we were thinking about the transformation of cloud, which is that there are um, remarkable improvements we could actually make by going from legacy to cloud if we do it right. But if we do things wrong, things go wrong really fast. And so what it really does is it is it almost like shines a spotlight on an organization and its security practices for whether you can, can you capitalize on this transformation? The answer is absolutely yes. But if you do it wrong, you fail fast. You fail really fast and you fail really hard. Um, and so I think AI is, a, is another generation of that, which is, um, the degree to which we can capitalize on AI 
product, let's say developer productivity. Let's just use that as a, as a simple example of, of AI that's really present right now. Um, can we use that to develop better, more secure software? A hundred percent, yes. That's absolutely true that um, intelligent use of automation and co-piloting can make a developer develop better source code faster if done well, and also if done poorly, accelerates the leakage of data and IP at a rate that um, security teams could, could scarcely catch up with, let alone even maybe even know that's happening. Um, so it is a um, it is a an interesting sort of juncture in time, but I think what we found with cloud was um, um, good governance uh, and just a just a little bit of governance and some some good security planning um, can lead us to a, a remarkable improvement in security posture. Um, and so I think we have that opportunity here with AR. We can we can we can really capitalize on some secure advancements of AI um, if we just give it a give it a um, uh, a couple of good whiteboard sessions and some technical controls. We can we can do some really really great things with AI. And uh, have you have you yourself used AI to improve security, or have you do you have plans? Um, so far, our security team, which includes IT in our organization, IT and security are are, are one team. Um, what we focused on is is capitalizing on opportunities to make human experiences better and faster. So, for example, uh, knowledge management on our own documentation and our own service tickets, so that our people can can access the organizational knowledge that we already possess. That we can we can capitalize on that. And the same goes with our customers. Can we give customers access to um, you know the chatbot functionality? That's a remarkable step forward. That they don't have to pick up the phone and and uh, wait for a, uh, an engineer to call you back. You can just answer the chatbot. And there's actually a, a substantial improvement there just in customer satisfaction, in employee satisfaction. Another good example would be um, uh, like production support. So um, can we um, uh, apply, for example, like interactive just-in-time provisioning and deprovisioning? of things like service accounts and credentials that are key. Um, that's a huge lift because people love the ability to serve self-service just-in-time access. Security teams love it because it allows us to remove all access that's not needed right now. Uh, there is no maintenance of persistent access to the organization. That's a huge lift. So we're looking for those um, um, really easy wins as a security department to basically take out the daily operational friction of just of just my you know my work environment. Over on the product side, they're thinking about um, much more sophisticated um, um, like correlation logic, uh, behavioral detections that can capitalize on on new models availability. And that's that's still a work in progress for us. That's a bigger problem set to solve. So the security team, um, we're just trying to make um, everybody's life incrementally easier each week with sort of the use of automation. So are, are there any new, for example, we are familiar with ISO 27001 yep. and SOC 2 kind of compliances one and two or those. Are there any new certifications on the horizon to handle these new kinds of things or new kinds of scenarios, or this should be sufficient for foreseeable future? It's a great question. Um, I think the, uh, um, I think the, the, the answer is still outstanding there. I don't, I don't think that, that there is a, um, uh, a common body of practice yet for internal auditors, for external auditors, for regulators to be evaluating the responsible and secure use of AI. Um, we we aspire uh, to be ahead of that by um, attempting to apply the disciplines of third-party risk, uh, application security, data protection to the um, new paradigm. Um, but to the extent that 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 is or isn't satisfying, 
external parties? Um, that's a that's a great question. I think that we all have uh, we all we all need to be contributing back to the the dialogue uh, so that our our auditors and so our examiners and and certainly our customers um, uh, can can calibrate their expectations and and set standards in a way that. Um, I know where I'm meeting expectations, and so I know where I can improve. So, any suggestions for the for, for the emerging industries? How should they take security? Uh, I mean, typically, what we have saw, what we have seen in smaller industries, security is typically an afterthought, rather yep. than rather than uh, investing upfront. So, what what are your suggestions for anybody who are just uh, part of emerging industries? Well, I think for um, for any organization, but particularly. Um, smaller companies or, or emerging markets, the, 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 the best um, tool at our disposal is to what I would call deputize good developers and, and with training and, and with um, authorities to sort of act as a security champion, act as a security agent. Uh, as we build and deploy any IT systems, um, the, the, the best answer always is that we've built or deployed software and built and deployed systems um, that were designed securely and built securely the first time. Um, our system administrators, our developers, our, our network technicians, um, the, the more um, self-equipped they are to implement security practices, um, then the less expectation we need that the security team needs to go back and fix something or bolt on a new technology. Uh, and so I think every organization has the opportunity to uplift the security wherewithal of their IT staff and their developer staff. And I, that's always where I would want to start first is by empowering that group of, of individuals rather than the security team needing an infinitely increasing budget just to keep up. Thank you so much, Carl, for, for being with us. It was just really nice meeting you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.